G'day sports fans. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Sports by Fry podcast. Monday evening coming at you. I hope you had a ripper weekend. Hopefully the fantasy coaches listening to this are successful and into the grand final. Uh, I am not one such fantasy coach. I had a, a close loss in the draft league, a close loss in a keeper league and a close loss in a classic league. So kind of sums up my season. I've been around the mark, but have not been able to get the job done. Bite-sized episode coming at you today, talking a bit of fantasy stuff. Going to talk a little bit about what the hell is going on at the Essendon Football Club as well. And the NBA schedule seems like that's on the precipice of being released. So there was a couple of leaks talking about the Xmas Day games and potentially what the opening night schedule will look like. And the first week of NFL preseason is in the books. So I'm going to do my best to cover all those topics in a quick, short and sweet Sportsby pod. So let's not waste any time and get amongst today's episode. First up, I am talking about the NBA schedule. So like I said at the lead off, the preliminary schedule is meant to be released next week. So we should have a rough idea of what important games are going to be happening when and where, but there have been a couple of games leaked, including the opening night clash, where obviously the Golden State Warriors will be unveiling their championship banner for season 2021-22, and they're going to be hosting the Lakers. So could be an interesting clash. Will Russell Westbrook be on the Lakers roster by the time that game comes around? Uh, Remains to be seen. Dunno, we'll have to watch this space, but the Lake Show will then clash with the Clippers a couple of nights later at Crypto.com Arena. The first time since 2020 that we're going to see Anthony Davis, LeBron James, Kawhi Leonard, and Paul George, hopefully all on the same court. It's been ages, obviously, since we've seen these two teams clash at full strength, and I'm excited to see what the Clippers can achieve next season. I've got high hopes for the Los Angeles Clippers, not so much for the Lakers, but Watch this space. The Xmas Day games are obviously always a highlight for basketball fans. I love nothing more. It's obviously Boxing Day in Australia when Christmas Day games are on in America. So Boxing Day is usually spent on the couch watching the test mass toggle the text. Let me just start again. Watching the Boxing Day test match and then toggling between the basketball that's on as well. And there's some pretty good games on the slate as per usual. The highlight for me is probably the Bucks at the Celtics, a rematch of the East finals from a year ago. And I do think going into the season that Milwaukee is the best team in the East, but Boston's probably not too far behind them, to be honest. I know that the Celtics were the ones that were able to represent the Eastern Conference in the finals. Oh, no, sorry. My memory mistakes me. They played Miami in the East finals. That's right. But Regardless, I think that the Celtics and the Bucks are right up there as the best two teams in the East. Suns at Nuggets, that should be another ripper. 76ers at Knicks, take it or leave it. Lakers at Mavericks, that could be interesting if LeBron and Luka go off. And then what looks like the last game will be the Grizzlies at the Warriors. So once again, we're going to be treated to a couple of interesting games on Christmas Day. And we'll have obviously a bit more of an idea of where each of those teams stand by the time we reach late December. But I am excited to see what the rest of the schedule looks like and if there's any other games that we have to circle on the calendar as must-watch affairs. All right, bumbling through my words. Let's get to item number two on the agenda. What the hell is going on with Ben Rutten and Essendon? So no one really expected this story to kind of drop 
Monday morning. We obviously saw the Bombers get pantsed by Port Adelaide on the weekend. Not great for Essendon fans to see them get spanked the way they did. I think it hasn't been a great season for Essendon fans. That's a bit of an understatement, but they did not show a lot of ticker in that game against Port Adelaide on the weekend. Obviously, Port put huge amount of points on the board. They kicked 23 goals for the match and won by nearly 15 of them, an 84-point margin. So not great signs for Essendon. And now there seems like there's going to be a coaching change. Ben Rutten, news broke that he was going to be sacked earlier this morning. Then it was unclear. Now the club's saying that he's safe and they're doing an external review. You think he's probably cooked. He's got a 17 and 25 record thus far as their coach, which isn't exactly woeful. And I saw that Max Lauter tweeted out earlier that Essendon last year had 11 wins while playing the team that finished 6th, 7th, 14th, 17th and 18th twice. So they beat up on a couple of easier teams. Whereas this year, they've got seven wins with one game left and they've faced 2nd, 4th, 5th, 7th and 11th twice. So a bit of a tougher season, you could say. Context is everything, but the Bombers have been the easy beats this year and there has been some footage of Nick Hine just ignoring ruts on the bench that surfaced uh, overnight. So I don't think it's a great look for the Essendon Football Club. It seems like Ben Rutten has lost the playing group and there are rumours that they're going to make a late dash at Alastair Clarkson. All signs pointed to him joining North Melbourne on a pretty comprehensive deal and he's in the processes of finalising that deal and building out his assistant coaching panel. But even though that deal does seem fairly advanced, I guess we'll have to wait and see until he commits to be North's coach or maybe even join GWS. He's still on the market and Essendon, they need a bloody win on or off the field at the moment. The president has resigned as well. So there's a lot of shit going on at the Essendon Football Club and none of it seems to be positive. So while it might be a bit of a pipe dream, they're clearly hoping now that Clarkson can come in and save the day. Transitioning to NFL for the third talking point. Obviously, week one of the preseason is in the books and I don't think there's anything major you can take away from NFL preseason, usually the last preseason game for about a quarter, you get to see some of the heavy hitters go at it and the regular starters, but week one isn't usually going to be a talking point. There were a couple of interesting things, though, that I think are worth mentioning, mainly the form of Jalen Hurts, who I'm going to talk about in a little bit as I shine some light on NFL fantasy uh, tidbits, but he went six for six in his one drive for 80 yards and a touchdown. He had a 20-plus yard rushing touchdown that was called back as well. So I think he's a great potential fantasy star this year. He was pretty good last year. You could say he had a breakout from a fantasy standpoint, but I think he's going to be better as an actual NFL footballer. The Philly Eagles went and strengthened their receiving core, so I'm kind of excited to see what they're capable of and what Jalen Hurts can do from a fantasy standpoint. On that other side of the coin in that same game, Jets QB Zach Wilson hurt himself, which isn't what you want to see from a preseason hit out, even if it is someone kind of as irrelevant as Zach Wilson. But a bone bruise and slight meniscus tear could see him miss week one. And while it's somewhat glass half full news that he hasn't got a serious knee injury, it's not great for the second year pro to start his year potentially banged up. So New York Jets fans, uh, unfortunately, it doesn't look like you're going to be in for another, uh, in for more pain. I should say, rather than a successful season this year. Deshaun Watson talked about how the Cleveland Browns could be in for pain. He looked gross 
in his limited action. He was one for five just for seven yards and looked disinterested. Obviously, his mind is elsewhere with a potential suspension hanging over his head. So I don't like the idea of taking Deshaun Watson in any NFL fantasy formats, to be honest. It's very possible that he misses the entire season. But there are a couple of other players that I think you could target. I released an article today kind of talking about how you can draft a successful NFL fantasy team in 2022. So it was really one for all the beginners, potentially the sports by Fry fans out there who are giving NFL fantasy a crack for the first time. I won't go through all of it and I will attach the article into the show notes, but running backs are important. I think you should take a couple of them early. Uh, Saquon Barkley is someone that I'm very high on this year, ready for a bounce back year. Dalvin Cook from the Vikings. He's going just towards the end of the first round. So he's another one you might want to try and snap up. And DeAndre Swift of the Lions, He's going at about pick 18, so another guy you might want to target. Like I said last week, you can wait on a quarterback. There's plenty of stars in that area. Jalen Hurts is someone going at about pick 70, but if you're going to reach a bit earlier than some expect, you could maybe go for him. Derek Carr's coming off the board at about 120, and getting Devontae Adams in uh, Las Vegas, rather, not Oakland gear, will definitely make him more appealing from a fantasy standpoint. AJ Dillon is a big one who I think is a must-draft player this year. Going at about an ADP of 107, you can definitely snap him up late. And the same could be said for 49ers wide receiver Brandon Ayuk, who did have a great season last year. was a bit all over the shop, was banged up at times as well. He's got an ADP of 116. So you can definitely snap him up depending on your league side in the middle to late rounds. Looking really deep, I don't hate the idea of grabbing either James Cook from the Bills or Kenneth Walker III from Seattle. Both of them are set to have inconsistent workloads, you could say, but there's a very real possibility that they can surpass the potential running backs on their own respective depth chart and become the top running back for their teams. At Buffalo with James Cook, the younger brother of Dalvin Cook, actually, he's going to be going up against Devin Singletary. And I think the rookie in Cook can overtake him. And the same with Seattle's rookie in Kenneth Walker. He's got Rashad Penny and a few others to battle. Chris Carson announced his retirement before this season. So there is a possibility that he can be a late flyer, him and Cook, that you can take in your draft and potentially emerge as difference makers towards the end of the season. The last thing I will say is a lot of people love to take a flyer on a defense or a kicker a bit earlier than usual, but if you do one thing in your NFL draft this year, make sure that you take them with your last two picks. The defense that was going off the board first on ADP last year finishes the 20th best scoring defense in the Pittsburgh Steelers and the best scoring kicker in all of fantasy in Daniel Carson from the Raiders was the 14th pick kicker taken last year. So be patient, take a defense special teams and kicker with your last two picks. Trust me. Item at number four on the agenda. I'm going to release this in a bit of a social media post Tamara, but I've had a bit of a look through the rising star field. Obviously, Nick Dacos is going to win it. Marcus Windhager was the latest nominee, very deserving nominee as well after his shutdown job on Lockie Neal. But there's a couple of players who probably will miss out on getting a rising star nomination that I just want to shine a bit of light on. Jake Saligo is the clear one in my eyes who's had a pretty impressive second half of his year. He was used as a sub for his first in some of his first couple of games and didn't really find his straps and an average of 14 disposals a game doesn't sound great, but I think he's emerging as a potential long-term piece in this Adelaide midfield. He's probably the reason, honestly, that 
Matt Crouch has been held out of a lot of games. So for me, if he has another strong outing this weekend against Port Adelaide, he'll probably get the last rising star nom. But we could also see Josh Kipkis get it. Another player who's had a strong year for the Richmond Tigers, emerging as an intercept defender, had his own inconsistencies and bits and pieces, but he probably deserved a nom back in round six when he had 18 disposals and 12 marks. So we may see him bob up and potentially earn the last nomination. Connor McDonald may also be stiff. The Hawks rookie, I know that Josh Ward has been the talk of the town and Jaisa Rong in recent times. Sam Butler's done a few things throughout the season, but Connor McDonald has definitely been an important player for Hawthorne and looks like a long-term piece that they'll be happy to have. And the same could be said about Brady Hoff from the West Coast Eagles. He took a little bit of a while to find his feet, but he's transitioned more into a bit of a halfback winger type of role for West Coast. And he's been putting up good fantasy numbers and he's actually looked pretty good doing football from a actual football standpoint as well, which is important. We're not all just about fantasy and the sports be pod. So Brady Hoff, if he has another strong game, it'll be tough to see that happening down in Geelong, but he will likely miss out and deserves recognition. There's a couple of other blokes you could go through as well. I know Oliver Henry hasn't been in Collingwood's side much lately, but he had a couple of moments earlier this year. You could maybe say Jack Hayes was all right before he went down for St. Kilda as well. So there's some players out there who may still be eligible depending on their age and the number of games they played for next year's Rising Star Award. Elijah Hollands is one that springs to mind, but Nick Dacos is going to win this year. And regardless of if Saligo, Gipkis, Hoff, those guys get a nomination, they definitely deserve some mention. Rightio, while I said that fantasy isn't the only footy bit that I focus on, it is one of the primary focuses of this podcast. So let me wrap up today's pod with item number five, talking about the large fries and Coke. I managed to finally topple JLo with a decent score, moved up for the first time in months, which is a little bit too little, too late, but I scored 23-11. was pretty happy with how most of my team performed. Aaron Hall was pretty good on debut. Uh, can't be too unhappy with what Zorko dished up on Friday night. My VC and C in Rory Laird and Andrew Brayshaw did let me down a bit, but thank God for Sean Darcy. I was probably doing everything I could to try and get rid of that bloke until maybe last week, the week before, where I just kind of accepted the fact he was going to be in my side <laughs> until the year ended. And boy, oh boy, was I glad he was in my side on the weekend. Top scored for the entire competition with a 147. Pretty sure that's a career high. I know he had a career high with 56 hit outs, so I can't imagine he's put up numbers bigger than that before. He has had some moments, though, throughout this year where he's demonstrated he can be a big-time fantasy ruckman. He's had two scores over 120. He did have another 100 where he kicked a couple of snags from memory, I want to say against Port Adelaide or Carlton just after the buy. So I know that Sean Darcy with his average sitting of 87 isn't super appealing, but he could be a ruckman that in the near future, maybe as soon as next year, averages north of a hundred points. Timmy English, on the other hand, he was a very disappointing pick for a lot of coaches. I do know a coach or two that went the Sean Darcy to Tim English trade route. So spare a thought for those blokes. I know that there's a lot of coaches as well, though, who are in fantasy grand finals. So JLo and I will be talking trades and my tactics a little bit in uh, Wednesday's podcast, but I think Jack Crisp has to go for me. He hasn't been firing lately. He's sitting in my midfield at the moment after a little bit of uh, DPP action to get Aaron Hall last week. So I think I'm going to roll the dice and have a bit of fun 
try and bring in a big name midfielder, a Clayton Oliver, a Callum Mills, someone like that. Maybe even Rowan Marshall, who I'm really regretting not having in my side. And Crispy probably goes, even though he was really good in the first half of the year. He stunk it up in the back half of the fantasy season. And that's it. Another short podcast in the books. Like I said, Wednesday's pod will be back with JLo. I might even talk a little bit about some of the cash cows and the awards that I hand out. I'm doing the award ballot for the Dream Team Talk Boys for the traders. So make sure that you check out that piece on Wednesday morning when that drops. And again, I'll be back with JLo and on Friday to discuss a little bit of other fantasy stuff and preview what all of a sudden is a very interesting round 23 in the AFL circles. So thanks for tuning into this episode. Muchly appreciated. I'll catch you next time.